Muffin Films and Salad Fingers, Homestar Runner and Mondo Media, Adam Films and Metalocalypse, Happy Tree Friends and What the Hell is Flash Animation Anyway. Warning, not affiliated with Adobe. Welcome to Plug In Missing, the Flash Animation Flashback Podcast, where we watch the Flash animations, webtoons, and shorts that we grew up watching in the halcyon days of your the early 2000s. I am Paul Reberg, and with me is my co-host. John Ward! Excellent, and we are smack dab in the middle of our fourth season focused on zombie. John, what are we looking at today? Today we are watching the sixth and seventh episode of the zombie series, The Hands of God and Thunder and Light. These two episodes are very fitted together, so so this is a good... It's good that we specifically group these two together. It's almost like we planned it. Well, a mm-hmm. quick summary of what happens in each chapter. Chapter 6, The Hands of God. We meet these robots again and find out more about them. It's a lot of fun. There's a not really a fight scene, more of a running away scene. In episode 7, Thunder and Light, we see the fight scene continues a little bit, chasing with an alien-looking spaceship. A lot of fun there. And then they arrive at the entrance to the Acropolis. So, John, let's jump into it. I thought these were really good. Yeah, these were pretty cool. I think there's also some cool shots. Uh, I think I think overall this is quality action stuff. In fact, they they felt shorter simply because of like how sort of like how the action is expressed. Like everything fits mm-hmm. together so well. There's no like timing problems. Like everything just it, there's a lot of like conservation of time in this, and it, it's really cool. So the robots, uh, when they come, they're like tentacle faced and they talk with a really weird voice that I didn't always understand completely. Yeah. Like they said, test something. I think maybe it would have been like, I- I'm guessing that it was a a Greek character or something like Delta or something like that, uh, like as like a test name for Dirge, maybe. Well, they use the word variant a lot, and I'm not yeah. sure if that's just how they're referring to him the whole time as the variant or if they ever yeah. gave him like a... a- alphanumeric or anything i don't know what i assumed variant equals aberration right yeah like like in my head that's that's what i'm thinking of going forward that might change we don't know functional contrivance was another thing that i think also means uh aberration memory destabilized meaning dirge doesn't remember anything they said memory still destabilized i i think and so that maybe like there is a certain point where he might get his memories back I don't know if we can say that, but we can definitely say that he has met the hands of God before. There's a yes. couple things that make us think that. Yeah, uh, they had fought before. They are called the hands of God, the ro- the three robots. They're called the hands of God. Which I have some questions about, John. How do you think they came by that name? I don't know. The tentacles kind of look like hands. Like they've got like, is it four tentacles, I think? Three yeah. tentacles? I don't know. It kind of looks like hands, I guess. Uh, it could just be like more references to like greco-roman sort of things where hands of hand of god definitely sounds like some sort of cool like i don't know troop for the king or you know maybe like some sort of religious order or something and uh and they do they serve those who are in control they are the hands of those who are in control so it sounds also like maybe they're robots because of the zombies out here and so, therefore, people can't, like, whoever's in control, quote-unquote, in control right now, they can't leave wherever they're at because of all the zombies. So, I started thinking here, is the Acropolis actually, like, a good place to go, or is it possible that this is, they're actually just going straight to, you know, the people that are controlling these robots? Well, I think they're definitely going straight to the people who are controlling these robots. <laughs> yeah. Um 
But yeah, they also call Dirge a weapon, that they're here for weapons disposal and that Dirge is a weapon. Yeah, it, it's the first of a lot of really cool lines we get in these two episodes of yeah. you are the weapon. I mean, that's, yeah, we're that's unarmed cool. and you are the weapon. Oh, yeah. No, it feels very like Kung Fu. It's good. So then the raptor comes and kicks all the robot butt. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> Dirge says, good lizard, come on. Uh, now, do you know if the lizard comes with them? Does the raptor come with them or is he in there still like holding them off? So not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I'm pretty sure he's still in there holding them off because we see the um, sexy mummy whose name I'm never going to remember. Neftis. Neftis, thank you. Pull up out front as they're running out trying to escape. They all jump in a car and drive off while the raptor's still in there fighting. I think all aberrations have hearses is like a rule of this universe. (laughs) Well, I I had two, two things about the hearse. First, when I saw it, I saw it had the same license plate. So is it the same hearse or is it not? It could be from a different state. We don't know. Uh, maybe Neftis is just... I mean, it's true. Neftis did see them leaving the um, <laughs> leaving the circus. Maybe there's some sort of joke about how Dirge can't fix cars, but Neftis just looks at the car for five seconds and is like, oh, why didn't they just take the stupid car? Look, all I had to do is just put the tire back on or something. Maybe that's what it is. But I like to pretend this is a world in which all hearses have Charon written on the back. Yeah, yeah. That's dead funny. sexy charon yeah this one we didn't know it was sexy or not oh so it might be like it, it might not be dad sexy charon it might be <laughs> it might be regular charon or maybe this is the dad sexy charon maybe the other one is the dead sexy <laughs> this is the dad sexy so yeah so there's a cool robot ship shooting at them and following them uh dirge opens up the back of the hearse and jumps up and we we cut mid attack right and that's the end of that's the end of the fifth, the sixth episode. That's the end of it. Um, there's one thing I'm not sure about here, John, which is the angle that we get while she's driving the car mm-hmm. is even more graphic than some of the angles we got of her in the last episode. Uh, how so? You mean like across well, her body? Yeah, it's you get a you get a heck of an angle, and and I wonder who's the audience for this show that we're getting so <laughs> much zombie side boob. I don't know. I I just I think I think her anatomy was established, and we're just living with the angles with the established anatomy. Uh, I I, mean, I don't it, think it's canon. I, I did, you can't change it. Well, yeah, that's it. Well, I was thinking more just like like I I agree to some extent, but I also think that there's also the shots are so they they're not luxurious shots. It's not like yeah, like looking through the window at this lady. It's it's a lot more like. They're talking in here. She's heckling Dirge, and then Dirge heckles back, that sort of stuff. I guess the fact that you see her almost entire body in the shot, I guess, would be the counter-argument to my own argument. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it is, she, she is, she is, uh, she is a sexy mummy. That is... That's all we can say about that. An objective truth. The the ending shot, as you said, of Dirge jumping towards the alien spaceship with his shovel, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. I thought it was yeah. a really great shot. Like a yeah. nice sender. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they drive through fire at one point. There's all sorts of cool action stuff in this one. Um, it, the pacing goes really by, by really fast because of the, the smooth action transfer. So what's our moral for this episode, Paul? Well, my moral is built around some of the one-liners that we see, um, mm-hmm. and it's that People are really slow to change their linguistic habits in response to external cultural stimuli. 
Yeah, that's what a I common mean is, moral. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's traditional. But uh-huh. so right now, um, there's a lot of talk around pronouns, and that's one thing that some people are struggling to change in their common parlance. And what uh-huh. we learn here is that in the future, it's going to be making our language more zombie-friendly. Uh-huh. Because we hear Dirge say, I've never seen them in my life before, and he gets corrected by Neftis to say, you're afterlife, and he's like, whatever. So I just feel like in the zombie apocalypse future, we're really going to have to change the way we talk about things to be more inclusive. Uh, that's true. <laughs> it could just be that Neftis is a pedant, and, and, that, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that frankly, like, uh, since... Uh, functionally zombies are the only creatures in this world it, it could be assumed that that's what he was talking about and that life at this point was more of a metaphor than a literal expression well that, that's also fair but john yeah. what was your moral from this episode my moral was uh don't forget there's a raptor in the building because the mm. robots do see the raptor like spiked on a bone earlier but knowing that the raptor is like you know has obviously been there for a while you'd think that they'd worry more about the raptor that's just trapped in this building somewhere you'd think they would but let's jump into episode seven thunder and light this one's a lot of fun also john where should we start all right so in media res uh dirge jumping on top of the robot ship uh the ship is still flying after the hearse and they enter a tunnel uh with dirge hitting the top of the ship with his shovel the robots quickly like you know get annoyed and so they shoot dirge with like this mounted gun which really doesn't do anything other than change the side of his face a different color what do you think that meant paul well i think it's an energy weapon of some kind that okay. should be specifically designed to kill zombies because okay. that seems to be what these robots do yeah so i i don't really know i think they just missed him and the light we see is just the light of the lasers bouncing off of the ship I don't know, like, I see later, at the end of the episode, he still has a differently, like, 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 it hit him on the side of his face, and Mm. so instead of being blue, it's slightly grayish, uh, whereas other parts of him are still blue. Uh, He's a blue zombie, right? Wow, why is my brain... He's a blue boy. Yeah, yeah, he's a blue boy. Um, he ate too much of that blue gum. Uh, and so... So I think I think what that means is like they've exposed part of his actual bone structure because he's not a bony boy. He's a, he's he's got a layer of skin. So I wonder what that means in terms of dirge in the long run, like if he's going to have like part of his skull exposed for the rest of the time or something like that. Yeah, maybe I didn't catch that. We'll have to yeah. see. I mean, he is a bony boy in the mouth. He's got a bone. He's got a bony mouth. <laughs> <laughs> As with most humans, he has bone teeth. Yeah, bone teeth. It's kind of weird looking. People shouldn't have bone teeth. They really shouldn't. John, Um, before we jump any further into this, though, we saw them drive through a memorial tunnel. It made me wonder, like, what's the deal with memorial tunnels and bridges that people get them named after them? Like, how does that strike you? I don't know. Part of me is like, yeah, I'd be down with somebody naming a bridge or a school after me or something like that. And then another part of me is like, well, that's never going to happen unless I (laughs) kill myself uh, in some sort of heroic way, which I'd probably rather prefer not to do so that would be ideal not to but a school makes sense to me that's just yeah there's learning there's kids i mean that's like a meaningful location but if someone named a bridge after me or a tunnel i don't know i think i'd be kind of mad really like i mean what what? it's like what this guy was great to drive on top of like what's what's the insulting feature of I mean, like, if we're thinking, so we've already got, like, an ancient Egyptian mummy in here, right? 
Uh, if we're mm-hmm. thinking ancient Egypt wise, if you have something named after you that's going to last longer than like your actual legacy will, like if you didn't w- write a great work of fiction or uh, I don't know, create a monument or something like that, then mm-hmm. you got to get a, a bridge named after you or something or a road named after you ASAP because that means that as soon as you die and as soon as all of the effigies of you die, uh, you will or get destroyed or forgotten you will no longer exist in the afterlife. So you got to get yourself on a bridge, Paul, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but a bridge in America within 40 years is going to need repair, and it's not going to be repaired for like 70 years because our infrastructure is crumbling. So I just don't want to be remembered via a like shitty bridge. I don't know. It just See, always strikes Paul, me as really insulting. Nobody's going to rename an old bridge after you. So first off, it's going to be a new bridge. And then right, that, but only that gets for a you 70 while. years. That gives you 70. No, that gives you 140 years. Because if that bridge is is said to be like a 70 year bridge, you know that they're going to just keep using it for 140 years. Right. So. Right. Right. But it's going to be crappy and dangerous after like 20 because there's no maintenance budget. That's true. Well, OK, then what you need to do, Paul, you need to donate a park bench in a small park in the middle of nowhere and make sure that this park bench is made out of fucking carbon fiber is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the thing like, to do carbon fiber like dig a trench like 30 feet deep like hit that well water down there pour in cement and then have like rebar going all the way through that and then finally at the top is a carbon fiber bench all right that's what you got to do that's how you're going to obtain your immortality with like a really sassy inscription on it oh yeah uh (laughs) donated by paul uh rothberg they accidentally spelled your name wrong when they're oh, that'd, that'd be good. That'd be a yeah, nice touch and so you end. die and you no longer exist immediately because your name has been erased from time. <laughs> I saw a, a bench um, inscription online once that just said uh, donated by whoever he hated this park and everyone in it. So I'm thinking something more along those lines. <laughs> I mean, like you could either obtain mortality or just own the park. <laughs> like, like, like every time somebody reads that flag, you're just like... You're just burning that park. You're like, bam, yeah, this park does suck. <laughs> this bench is right. <laughs> I'm leaving right now. Me and my dog can shit someplace else. <laughs> you and your dog can shit somewhere else? <laughs> well, what do you... I mean, what else would you do with your dog in the park? <laughs> I'm just imagining you and your dog both go to the park to shit. Hey, they have a nice public toilet, okay? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, my dog really appreciates it. I do I do <laughs> the idea of you just like being like... Uh, like an Egyptian, like an ancient Egyptian pharaoh being like, man, I know I got to keep writing my name on crap, but like there, it'd just be so much funnier if I just like wrote the funniest <laughs> owns on everything. Like, yeah, uh, yeah come to this shop if, if you want diarrhea or something like that. <laughs> and then, you know, 6,000 years later, we're like, 6,000 years? That seems like roughly, there, there was sure, sure. Egypt and there was an inscription 6,000 years ago, I'm sure. John, I'm imagining your tombstone now. Here lies John Ward. Shoney's fucking sucks. <laughs> I would not say that about Shoney's. Oh, wait, no. I would say that about Shoney's. I wouldn't say that about Friendly's. Friendly's is pretty all right. Yeah, Friendly's is okay, but fuck Shoney's. Yeah, fuck Shoney's. Or uh, for me, it would be Applebee's. Applebee's just has the tasteless shit ever. Um, the Minute Podcast brought to you by Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not even the podcast we're doing. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, not the Minute Podcast. Plug and Missing brought to you by Applebee's. Well, see, that's that's what happened to the Minute Podcast is our Applebee's. <laughs> our Applebee's back in <laughs> got evaporated the moment they find out, found out I was an Applebee's hater. 
John, I, I won't be an Applebee's apologist. I just think that's not appropriate. Okay. Cut back to the episode. We see a cool smash cut to another flashback. Yes, another f- flashback. So this is, uh, we're back uh, to remind you, there's a giant squid reaching up the helicopter. Zoe is now on the rope ladder that the helicopter shot down. And the squid has its tentacles around parts of the helicopter. We can now say 100% certain it is a giant squid. Like like we see it later it is, in the yeah. scene. Uh, so Zoe falls into the ocean. Uh, we see a good shot of like sharks, uh, obviously zombie sharks, Paul, and uh, a squid sort of like, you know, floating around above her as she floats down. It looks like she's swallowed up by a zombie shark when all of a sudden she just rolls down the back half of it because there, it's a zombie shark, but it's only the yeah, front half pretty, of a zombie shark. Yeah, that's pretty conclusive evidence that I was wrong. Yeah, it, it's it, I really love the idea of like half of a zombie shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know what the other half of the zombie shark is doing. I guess because it's not connected to a brain, probably nothing, right? But I, I do like the idea of like a zombie shark being like, yeah, got to eat this human Mm-mm-mm. and then feeling really satisfied with itself only to realize that the humans is floating out the other side. It's like a spooky skeleton drinking wine. Exactly. Uh, which is a great image as well. Um, yep. So she gets caught on a spear. I think she's unconscious at this point is my my idea and my guess. I think so. She's kind of like a whaling spear on a zombie whale. I don't know what happened to the zombie apocalypse that whaling suddenly became a thing again. Um, but she gets stuck to this whale. And mm-hmm. uh, and then the whale seems to surface. And we kind of get a hint that she might have. This this is probably the beach where she wakes up at the beginning of the series. So I think we've right. done around. Like we haven't seen like any context of what got her into the little rowboat and the helicopter and all that sort of stuff. Although later she does say the word mom. So. She does, but was this zombie whale trying to beach itself? I don't know. I mean, if I was a zombie whale, I'd feel like beaching would be the way to get out of it. You know what I mean? Like, Is is it, though? Because you still can't die, and like, beached whales can survive on the beach for hours, right? But if yeah. you're a zombie whale, maybe you just live on the beach now and you're trapped. That sounds awful. I don't know. I, I feel like, well, first off, we saw all those seagulls, right? And if it, like... Mm-hmm. If those seagulls aren't zombie seagulls, that means that that whale is fresh carcass that they can feed off of for the rest oh, of the true. eternity. True. Uh, so I can I can see the zombie whale. They'll eventually get to the zombie whale brains and they'll eat the zombie whale brains. I'm not saying it's a good short term you know, solution, but I think it does solve the problem long term. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, so she wakes up and she sees Cerberus again where we're reminded that he just has a staple face forever now. <laughs> I, does, I thought maybe cause... next episode that would be gone, but no, he's just, just a staple boy. I, I was assuming like maybe there's like some sort of uh, good zombie potion thing that just makes you a good zombie again, like uh, like and not like a <laughs> horrifying dog skull face. Apparently um, not. Yeah. So so I noticed something about service. This is the thing that I learned today uh, during this episode. Like everything else wasn't really new. Okay, the the robot stuff was new information, but this is the new information for this episode. Uh, and I think I've seen this before. I just don't think I connected it in my head. But Cerberus has a DCPD dog tag. So he's a DC police dog. I think so. I can't. I was trying to think of what else that could have been, but I yeah. think he just has to be a DC police dog. And like the Acropolis being like, neo-roman you know neoclassical architecture and stuff like that this could be dc like dc does already have robotic security in a lot of places yeah exactly uh especially the machine guns that only let you in well so in dc it's different they only let you in if you don't have body temperature so that they know that you're Mm -hmm. so that you they know that you're a uh, that you're a uh a senator person (laughs) yeah 
exactly. So the, basically, she wakes up, gets out of the car, and they and uh, Nifta says, "We are here, or we have arrived, or something like that." And we see the Acropolis in the for, uh, in, in the background, and the same helicopter silhouette is sitting there in the middle of the Acropolis. So and mm-hmm. she and Zoe goes, "Mom," uh, but nobody hears her. Uh, Dirge is instantly like, okay, how are we getting in? And, and Neftis points out that the machine guns will fire on anybody with a body temperature, so Dirge can't follow Zoe too close to the Acropolis. Well, anyone without a body temperature. Exactly. Yeah, anybody without a body temperature can't get close to it. Um, yep. Only the living are permitted to cross this bridge, which is kind of a cool line. Um, and uh, Cerberus gets a cute hug from Zoe right before they decide to cross the bridge. Uh, Neftis even pats her head. It's a really cute moment. It is, but so so Dirge is going to walk her across the bridge, right? Halfway, I think, is the agreed thing, although I have a feeling that's going to change when he gets over there. I thought the doorway, the, the scanner thing, was like on the far side of the bridge, though, like close to where they are now. Yeah, I I don't know. I have a feeling, I think the scanner is different than the heat-seeking, or <laughs> no heat-seeking guns. The reason I say that is because, uh, th- so there's a long thin bridge, like with only one person can stand in it at any given point in time, and basically I think that if you get too close to them, I think that they have their own sensors, and then I think that the entryway has its own sensor to make sure that if a zombie does get past, they don't just automatically let them through the door or something like that. Does that make more sense? It makes sense. I don't think that's how it's laid out, but I guess okay. I'm, I'm only. It could also sense, it so. could also be that I I just didn't understand the layout a little bit. So like with cartoons and stuff, it's it's pretty difficult to see because everything's very much in focus with especially with how Flash works. Uh, everything is in sharp focus, so there's no depth of field, so you can't really tell right. how close or far away something is or how like the size of something without you know constant reference to the size of other things and. Frankly, just some shots aren't going to do that. So it was kind of difficult to tell. Curse you, flash animation and your various limitations. Yep. Well, uh, what do you think the moral can be of this oh, episode, well, we, John? We've got one last thing. Uh, and it's oh. the robots appear in the tunnel uh, Just uh, they just escaped from, and Zoe and Dirge start to cross the bridge. It's clear that Neftis and Cerberus will probably have to hold off the robots next episode. True, and it is a pretty cool ending shot for this episode as well, where you see yeah. a robot sort of coming through the fog, and she holds up her scythe, and it's like, uh, go time. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think we're, we haven't seen Neftis fight yet, right? I don't think we've seen her fight no, at no, all. No, 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 we haven't fight, uh, seen her fight at all. So that scythe has just been like, you know, it's it's the, uh, what is it? the Sexy foreshadowing? Oh, I was thinking, what's the... Um... Chekhov scythe? Yeah, Chekhov scythe, exactly. Okay. Um, glad we got to the right uh, literature reference there. All right, so the moral. Since you went first last time, I'll, I'll go first this time. My moral for this is uh, don't climb into a sinking ship or helicopter. Okay. I I personally would look up at that helicopter and instantly dive out of the boat because like the the tentacles were on it before she even got onto the rope ladder. So okay, my moral is that regardless of your zombie status, post-apocalyptic views, or anything, you shouldn't let a nine-year-old cross a rickety old bridge on her own. <laughs> yeah, probably true. All right, well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Plug and Missing. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend and leave a review on iTunes. We have a new promotion where if you do leave a review on iTunes, I'll write you a jingle for anything. I'll record it, and I'll send it to you. So please do that. 
If you want to talk about Flash Animation, please contact us on the various social media platforms at Plugin Missing or email us at pluginmissingpod at gmail.com. You can also check out pluginmissing.com for more info on upcoming podcast releases and schedule, that kind of thing. As always, this episode was co-hosted by John Ward and Paul Reberg, produced by John Ward, with theme music by Paul Reberg. Come back next week when we're going to ask you... Would you like to update Flash? Do I really have to every week? Yeah. These these yes, patches, man. No, you have to. Right? Okay. And no, it won't automatically do it. You have to do it manually every time. Fine. Good boy. We're glad you could join us for just a little bit discussing Flash Animation and what the hell it is until next week. We hope you're well. Please give us five stars on iTunes.